Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Happy Father's Day. How are we doing, Foothills? Awesome. Awesome. Hey, I don't think we can overexpress gratitude. So can we one more time give it up for all the dads in the house right now? Come on. Come on. It's awesome. I do want to say happy Father's Day. And look, we know that Father's Day for some might be a difficult day. And if that's you, I just want you to know that our thoughts and our prayers are here with you today. And we're just praying that God would just send his heavenly Father, perfect heavenly Father, love and comfort over your life today. I want to show you a picture of my dad. I think we got it up here. Uh, there we go. Uh, this is my dad. Um, a lot of people growing up mis- mistook my dad for Sammy Hagar all the time. Like everywhere we went, uh, people would ask him for his autograph or ask him for Sammy Hagar. Now, if, uh, if I don't want to make anybody feel old, but if you don't know who Sammy Hagar is, he is a lead singer of the band Van Halen, okay? And I don't want to make anybody else feel old, but if you don't know who Van Halen is, they're a rock band from the 60s or 70s. And I'm going to go ahead and show my age and just kind of have a confession right now. First service, I said that uh, Sammy Hagar was the lead singer of Led Zeppelin, which is wrong. I missed, I missed the whole point. So I, I knew all my life that people thought my dad was Sammy Hagar, but I, I just pretended like I knew who Sammy Hagar actually was. I was thinking this week about some of my favorite moments with my dad growing up, some of the, the ways that we would connect together. And I was one of five kids so getting time, especially one-on-one, my dad, was kind of rare because there was, his time was his divided around five kids. But also, he traveled full-time and would speak. He had his own business. But there was a way that we would connect. I am a big college football fan, and so is my dad. And uh, I was obsessed. I don't know how many of you grew up playing video games or were around. Maybe your kids or grandkids played video games. But I loved NCAA football by EA Sports. And every single year, the new edition that would come out, I couldn't wait to get that game and begin playing it. I'm an Alabama fan when it comes to college football. And this was like the early 2000s when Alabama wasn't good. So the only way that I got to experience my college football team winning was through a video game, all right? That is what it feels like to be a South Carolina Gamecock fan for your entire life, right? So you were late. You were late. You get me. So me and my dad, man, we would, we would play. And usually when we play, man, we wouldn't just like play one game. It'd be like, let's just do one more game, one more game, one more game. I was texting with my dad last night, telling him I was going to talk about us playing. And his exact text back was, yeah, we did that a lot. I was like, yeah, we did. And I couldn't wait till those moments uh, with my dad, but I couldn't engage it. Again, he was, he was a busy man. So what would happen is we'd get a call on the home phone, or if we're at the dinner table, my dad would always engage it this way. He'd just, I mean, he might not even look up at me. He might just be like eating a bite and say, did you get the game ready? And like, boom, I'm like right then I run up, I'll fire up the game, and I couldn't wait to hang. It was such a, an important part of our relationship because it was undivided attention and hang time with my dad. As I've become a dad, I've got two girls now. They're one and three, and I'm consistently thinking about what are the ways that I can be intentional about having some special memories and moments that are for for my girls and the way that I can pour into and build that relationship. 
When I became a dad, I, I heard this advice. I didn't think I'd heard it before, but it really stuck as soon as I became a dad. And, and maybe you've heard this statement, that the way that you spell love is T-I-M-E. You ever heard that statement? The way that you spell love is T-I-M-E. Time is such a valuable resource. And where we give our time, where we give our resources, is a sign of what we care about and what we love. Jesus said that this way in Matthew 6, 21. He said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever you put your treasures, the treasure could be money, it could be talent, but it but it's absolutely, time is a treasure. Wherever we put that, that's a sign of where our heart and where our love is going. Although time is what we've been taught, how you, how, you, how you spell love, time is not what today's message is about, neither is money or talent or, or those resources. What we're going to talk about today is what dictates where our time goes, what dictates where our money goes, what really dictates where our resources go and ultimately our heart. We're going to talk about something that we all long for, something that my daughters have longed for since before they could communicate or speak. This is, this is the thing that makes a child do something over and over again if it'll make you laugh or get a reaction. This is the thing that will have a child or make a child act out or, or throw a fit or cause a scene. This is something every child longs for, and this is something really every person longs for, and we've always longed for it, and that is this word, attention. Attention, something that we all long for, that every child longs for is attention, and attention determines where our resources are going. Where our attention is, that is where our time is being spent, and we live in a world that is fighting and grabbing for our attention at every single turn, especially as we've entered into this digital age. I read some alarming statistics this week. This was a study done in 2016 that said that the average adult touches their phone 2,617 times a day. What? I mean, think about that. That's crazy. The average adult touches their phone 2,617 times a day. That was 2016. That, that's, you know, six years ago. The study done last year on teens said that teens touch their phone on an average of 5,000 times a day now. Our attention is, is, being, is being reached out for and, and pulled from consistently. Social media is designed all around our longing for attention. That's why we get such a dopamine hit when we get a like, a view, a comment, a share. It's what keeps us coming back. And it wants to keep your attention. That's why they'll cook up a perfect algorithm of reels that just keep you scrolling and keep you coming back to where you can't seem to look away. It's not just social media. News is designed to have a, a catchy headline or something that'll drive enough fear or, or enough worry into you that just causes you, wait a minute, I gotta, I gotta hear more. I gotta, I gotta link in. It's calling for your attention. It wants to keep your attention Work is available for you to engage in anywhere. Now, especially with all of the work from home options. 
Work is no longer something that happens inside of an office or at a warehouse or within confines of certain hours. It's something you can engage in whenever you want. And people can call for your attention. Money can call for your attention. Work can call for your attention more than it ever has. So we could say that love is spelt T-I-M-E. But I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever had someone's time but not had their attention? Sure you have. <laughs> you ever had someone's time? They're just right here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got you. Oh, yeah. I can tell when I'm talking to a loved one on the phone when I've lost their attention. It's like, I don't know what you're uh, doing, but you're definitely not focusing on our conversation any, anymore. I got a, a video sent to me from a buddy. This was a few years ago. And this was a family member. I'm not going to say which family member. I'm not going to throw them under the bus that hard. But they were driving in downtown Nashville, and it was like a peak traffic time. And they were texting while they were driving. And this person's like taking the video. They're looking at their speedometer and then looking at my family member. And they're like, uh, look, at, they're going 30 miles an hour below the speed limit, on an interstate, with cars honking, trying to get around them, and they're swerving across three lanes of traffic, completely distracted. Their attention is not on driving, of course. And then the ironic, ironic thing is I'm getting this video, and I'm like, well, you know what, what's ironic is the person that sent me this video is also driving down that same interstate taking a video of the person who is on their phone the entire time. Two people distracted and, and driving. This is like one of those things, that it, it was kind of funny, but it's not really funny, right? This is the way we operate in our life right now. We are so distracted. We are distracted on our dates. We are distracted at the dinner table with our family. We are distracted at work. We are distracted. We are a distracted people. And it's not just due to the digital age. Distraction has been something we've always dealt with. There was a recent study done that said that adults spend, on average, 47% of their time thinking about something other than what they're doing. I want to say that again for those of you who are just thinking about something other than what I'm saying right now. <laughs> On average, 47% of your time is being spent somewhere other than where you are right now, thinking about something other than what you're engaged in. Jesus knew that distraction would be something we, we dealt with and we struggled with. And it's why when he talked about our treasure and our heart following it, he wanted to make sure he talked about our attention right after that. Let's jump back to Matthew 6. He said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. Your eye, what, you, what are you looking at? What has your attention? It is like a lamp for your whole body. Where your attention is, that's, that's determining what's getting in. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness gets. That He followed talking about our treasure and our hearts with the importance of where we're putting our eyes, where we're putting our attention. We could say that statement kind of simplified like this. Whatever gets your attention gets your affection. 
say that again. Whatever gets your attention gets your affection. And he talked clearly about what happens where your eyes are going. This is determining light or darkness coming in. We could also say that whatever gets your affection shapes your direction. Attention leads to your affection. That's where your heart's going. Your your body is following. Your life is following. Attention, affection, and direction. So I want to ask you a couple questions this morning. And then I want to look at a story while Jesus was on earth dealing with a distracted individual. First question would, would be this. We're all longing for attention. At our core, we're all longing for attention. Whose attention are you longing for today? I just want you to sit and think about that for a moment. Dig deep. Whose attention are you longing for today? And the second question would be this. Who or what has your attention? Who or what has your attention right now? Who or what has your attention in in this week or this season? Who or what has your attention? The truth is, I believe that deep down, beyond anyone or anything that we desire the most when it comes to desiring attention, I believe that we were all created to long for the attention of a father, of a perfect heavenly father. I read this morning in Ecclesiastes that eternity has been written on our hearts. We were created by the God of eternity and we're all longing for that at our core. Whether that was your answer or not, I believe deep down that is the deep desire and longing of every single human being. But whatever you answered, the difficulty is when What you're longing for is different than where your attention is. And that is what the world is fighting and the enemy is fighting to continue to make inconsistent so that you are missing the most of those relationships, especially the relationship that you could have with your heavenly father. I want to look at Luke chapter 10 today. We're going to go to verse 38, Luke chapter 10. It's in your YouVersion app under events or it'll be on the screen as well if you want to follow As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. So Jesus and his disciples get there. He's hanging out probably in the living room or the dining room. And one of the things Jesus did often when he's hanging out with his disciples is he would teach. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. He loved to teach. And so Mary is here at this home. She's like, awesome. Jesus is here teaching. I don't want to miss this. I want to sit at his feet. Let's keep reading. But Martha was, what's that word say? All right. For those that were distracted and missed that opportunity, let's try that again. Martha was? That's right. She was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. She was preparing a big dinner. She had a lot of guests. This wasn't just any guests. This was Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is in her home. This is the one everybody had been talking about. This was, this was the teacher who could draw a crazy crowd. This was the one that was performing miracles. This was the one that claimed to be the son of God, the Messiah that Israel had been waiting on. And here he is. He's in her house. And he's not alone. He's got, a, he's got his crew with him, his followers. There's, there's at least 12 people that are here in her home. And it was custom. Like, throw a party. Make sure that you're being hospitable. So she's not doing a bad thing. She's doing a good thing, but she wants to make sure she's getting it right. She's got to get the meal ready. She's, she's, she's getting the dinner ready. 
But Mary's not helping her. <laughs> so she comes over and says, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. The Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha is distracted by a seemingly good thing, and she's missing the best thing. As Jesus described, the one thing she could be concerned about was the opportunity she had right then to give Jesus her attention. Here's the point that Jesus made through Mary and Martha in this story, a point I would love for us to learn today, point one, is this, you don't earn God's attention, you accept his attention. You can't earn God's attention. You accept his attention. See, the first question we asked earlier, whose attention are you longing for? Martha longed for Jesus' attention. She was trying to do everything she knew how to make sure she could, she could do a good job so that she could have his attention. She was, she was taking on the pressure of, I've got I've to have the home right. This is the Messiah. This is Jesus in my home. This is, this is his crew in my home. I've got to have it ready. I've got to make sure. She's, she's longing for his attention, but in the process, she's getting distracted by a good thing, thinking that she had to earn his attention. And Jesus is saying, look, Martha, you don't have to be concerned with all of that. You don't have to earn my attention. My attention is right here. I'm in your home. You can accept my attention. Mary has chosen the better thing. She's chosen to come and sit at my feet. This is an opportunity. This is a struggle. How many of you, like me, struggle with this? Of feeling like we have to compete to earn attention in relationships. I said it earlier. I'm one of five kids. It's, it's, it, would, it was a battle to see, like, how could I make sure I get my dad's attention? If I wanted his attention, how do I cut through the noise? Not just in my family, in our world. This is, this is the way social media is designed. There's so much noise out there in order to get attention. We gotta make sure the post is just right. The video is just entertaining enough. We gotta cut through the noise in order to get the amount of attention that we want. And when it comes to our relationship with God, we allow this to kind of seep in. Where we buy the lie that we've got to somehow earn his attention or get everything right so that we can cut through because we are dealing with a lot of competition when it comes to God's attention. Here's a truth about God that I think we could all be reminded of this morning. If you never heard this truth, this is an awesome truth about God. A couple of them. Number one, God is omniscient, which means that God is all-knowing. He knows everything that there is to know about everything. The second truth about God is that he is omnipresent. That means that he is everywhere. He has the ability to be everywhere. The good news about both of those is that right now, what that means right now, this is a truth that you need to soak in this morning. In fact, I, I, would, I would be stoked if you caught this and only this this morning. Right now, you have God's undivided attention. God's undivided attention is on you right now. 
and on you, and on you, and on you. God has the ability to give you his undivided attention, and he's doing so right now, and he's been doing so. David was so overwhelmed by how much God knew about him that he wrote this in Psalms 139. He said, you know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm gonna say even before I say it. Lord, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. You don't have to earn God's attention. Some of you need to hear this morning that you already have his attention. You already have his undivided attention. The question this morning would be, does he have your attention? Does he have your attention? Because when we come to the reality that we've got his attention, he's always inviting us to give us his attention. In, in Luke 10, he's inviting Martha, hey, you don't have to be concerned with all that. You can come and join me and give me your attention now. And that's in a situation that things are calm and Martha has control. But Jesus shows his attention in other areas of our life and in other situations of when there's something that we can't control. When, when a tragedy maybe strikes and when the things that once distracted us are, are really unimportant or irrelevant. And this has happened later for Mary and Martha. If we look at John chapter 11, verse three, it says, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus. This is sometime later said, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So the two sisters it's talking about, it's Mary and Martha. If you go read this whole chapter, the friend that they're talking about is Lazarus. Lazarus is their brother. Their brother was sick and he was deathly ill and they were concerned. And now they were longing for and needed Jesus' attention. Like Martha was, was no longer trying to host. This was a moment where she needed him to show up. She wasn't gonna throw a party. She just, she needed the one who could heal. She needed the one who could save. When this happens, I believe a truth about Jesus and the attention that he gives. There's situations that are good and then there's situations we can't control. One thing that we can see is that Jesus will continue to reveal that his attention is on us. And so the second point today is this. You can't escape the Lord's attention, but you can reject his attention. You can't escape the Lord's attention. You can be distracted by many things and you can choose to ignore his attention for a long period of time. You can ignore it by checking in to work. You can, you can ignore it through pleasure. You can ignore it through religion. You can ignore his attention through relationships. But when tragedy strikes, there comes these moments where everything else that, that you thought was important, that seemed important, that you made super important, it kind of falls away and you're faced with this reality again that Jesus' attention is still on you and his invitation is still there. David, who wrote that Psalm 139, also knew he couldn't get away from the attention of the Lord. That's why he continued that Psalm this way. He said, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You can't escape the Lord's attention. 
You can't escape his presence. And this isn't a controlling thing. God doesn't come in and say, you, you're never going to escape me. He's not controlling you. He gives an invitation. You can accept or you can reject. But the truth is, if you continually reject his attention, if you continually reject the opportunity to give him your attention, to call him Lord, to engage in the relationship, you can reject and reject and reject and reject, and he's going to keep coming and offering his full attention and his full love to you. This is what Pastor Greg talked about last week, reading from Luke 15, is that Jesus loves with an illogical love. That even those who reject him, he continues to pour himself out for and offer himself for. And if there's still breath in your lungs, there's a continual invitation to turn and give him your attention. So Martha is now in this moment and she's been invited to give her attention to him again. Let's jump back to that story. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, that's the town where they were at, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few, dial, a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come down to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. She went right to where he was. She knew he was coming. This time, this time she wanted it face to face. She wanted his attention it says that Mary stayed, in, uh, Mary stayed in the house, so Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here. If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. I love this. I love this interaction because I love that Jesus shows us through so many stories in the Bible and through this story with Martha and especially for the contrast of the story earlier where she's got to be the hospitable guest Jesus doesn't need us to give him a certain type of attention, a cleaned up attention, a perfect home or a perfect life type of attention. He loves when we come to him raw and honest. Martha addresses him with a raw, honest, like if you had been here. She's coming with all of her doubts, her worries, frustration, anger, sadness. She's bringing her full emotion to the table. Now she's giving this glimmer of like, I still know you're the son of God. You can do whatever you want, but I've still got my, where were you? <laughs> Questions. Why did this happen? In fact, this is the passage where later, Jesus actually, it says that he weeps with them. Jesus sat in the reality of the, the consequences that sin has caused in this world. He sat in the emotions of this, and he felt those emotions as well. He doesn't dismiss emotions. He doesn't look for you to come in perfect and polished. He can handle those emotions because he feels that stuff too. But what he is desiring to do with you is he's desiring to bring your attention to him, the love, the grace, the eternity that he can offer, and a life after death that there's going to be no more pain, no more moments where we're calling out because a loved one is sick, no more time where there is death. Death will be defeated for good and that's the ultimate invitation that he gives to Martha it says Jesus told her your brother will rise again yes Martha said he will rise when everyone else else rises at the last day she's talking about in heaven and eternity and Jesus Jesus told her and by the way uh, before I even read this I, I'd encourage you to go check out this whole story in, in John 11 but Jesus ends up raising Lazarus from the dead it's an incredible miracle that takes place, but we're not going to dive into that, that part of the story today. 
But he told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Look, the things that you have sorrow about, that you're broken about, if you will trust in me, you can have life after all of this. Death is inevitable. It's coming for everyone. Lazarus is dead right now, and he's, he's drawing your attention to him and the fact that, look, if you will trust in me, you can have life after death. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. In, in eternity, we will live eternally with Jesus. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world. Martha wouldn't miss this opportunity to declare Jesus as Lord. Yes, yes, I believe you're the Messiah. Yes, I believe you're the Son of God. And he is drawing her attention to him and her attention to the eternity where they can be together, where there's gonna be no more of this. No more of this. You can't escape God's attention. You can't earn his attention. But during this life, you have a choice of whether you are going to accept or reject his attention. That's just the truth. He loves you enough to offer himself to die for you. And in his power, will spend an eternity with you, giving you his undivided attention for eternity. That's how much he loves you. But he also loves you enough to let you decide. You can accept or reject his attention. And for some of you, today needs to be the day of your salvation where you call on Jesus and ask him to save you. Where you say, I'm just gonna give you my attention. I'm done running. I'm done ignoring it. I'm done thinking I have to get right or, or thinking I've got to earn this thing. I'm just gonna trust Jesus that you poured yourself out for me, that you've been chasing after me. And today's the day that I'm gonna give you my heart. If Jesus is stirring your heart in a moment when we pray, I wanna encourage you to ask him to be your savior today. You don't have to wait. You can do that today. For others of you in the room, you have given your attention to Jesus before. He's already your savior he is the Lord of your life, but maybe for the past little bit or a season you've been in or for several years, maybe you have kind of shifted your attention away from him or you've walked in the opposite direction. You've been distracted. Today, his invitation is that he's still here offering his full attention to you today. And remember, where attention goes, that's where affection goes. He's offering not just his attention, but his affection the love of a heavenly father that you desperately need, that you were designed to desperately need. Today, it may be a call to you to return your attention to his love. So I'm gonna pray. The band's gonna come out, and uh, we're, we're gonna worship in a moment. But if you're here and you wanna give your life to Jesus, if you feel him stirring, I wanna encourage you. You could pray a prayer after me just like this. Jesus we sang it earlier, you might just start, Jesus, you have all my attention. You have all my attention right now in this moment. Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I know I've been distracted. I know I've been running. But that changes today. Jesus, I believe that you lived a perfect life and that you took my punishment on the cross. And I believe that God raised you from the dead. 
So today I ask you to save me. And I commit to follow you from this day forward. I commit to give you my attention. The attention of my soul. The attention of my heart. The attention of my eternity. From this day forward. And God, I pray for my other brothers and sisters in this room today. That Lord have been distracted. That have, that have been running. Lord, maybe there's some that have been running. Maybe some have just been distracted by seemingly good things. Getting the house ready and missing the opportunity of the most important thing. Lord, I pray that you would bring to mind the things that we're concerned or worried about that are of less importance or no importance. And that you would bring our mind to the one thing that you would have us concerned about. And that is to sit at your feet and give our attention to the Savior who's giving us his undivided attention. We thank you for that, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen.